You're listening to Rounding at Rush, a Rush University Medical Center podcast that features the latest clinical advances, research, and innovations. I'm your host, Dan Dean. Today's guest is Dr. Stephen Gatellis. He is a highly regarded expert in the area of orthopedic oncology and limb reconstruction and currently serves as the Director of Musculoskeletal Oncology at the Rush Cancer Center and the Director of the Rush Center for Limb Preservation. He has been repeatedly voted as one of Chicago's best doctors by Chicago Magazine and one of America's top doctors by Castle Connolly. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Catellis. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. I want to start our conversation today talking about something that is unique to Rush, which is the use of 3D printed implants, which can be used to treat benign and malignant tumors, anything from sarcomas to metastatic bone disease. Can we first talk about the process by which 3D models are used? So there's a a couple of ways that I, as a cancer surgeon, use 3D printing. First of all, um, I use it to create models and guides in order to use in the operating room to allow me to remove the cancer effectively but preserve normal tissue. So the process is I will send images to the vendor digital images. They'll then use those images to create a model and they'll send back to me uh, the model of the of the bone and the tumor and they'll also send me uh, a cutting guide which allows me to use in the operating room again to precisely remove the tumor. So that's one use of uh, 3D printing technology and I might add that in the past uh, this type of work and I've been doing it for 40 years was all eyeball. It was very uh, guesswork. There was a lot of guesswork. I would use fluoroscopy and guess, and um, it was a much more imprecise uh, process. And this is what we call precision orthopedics. But now with these 3D printed uh, cutting guides, I can be much better. So all of all the tumors I see, and well, let's just talk about a bone tumor. I see soft tissue tumors as well, but this is more applicable to a bone tumor, bone sarcoma, and osteosarcoma is the most common type. I will then stage them. And then finally, after biopsy and staging, they typically are are given neoadjuvant chemotherapy for about three months. Uh, At the end of three months, I will do hopefully limb salvage, which in my practice is 95% of the patients I see, thus removing the tumor with a clean margin but preserving more normal tissue. So during that three months, it allows me to send pictures of the cancer, the bone cancer, to the vendor, uh, which in this case is Oncos, and they will take those images uh, and prepare a model. And they can very precisely uh, model where the tumor is, what needs to be removed, and what needs to be preserved. And then they'll also send me a cutting guide which I can use in the operating room, uh, affix it to the bone, and then use slots in the cutting guide to cut the bone exactly where I want to cut it. If we're going to use a bone transplant, an allograft, if that's the indicated reconstruction, and I could use the cutting guide, a mirror image cutting guide, to cut the allograft to the exact dimensions that I need to replace the bone that I remove. And that allows for a very tight fit and a good anatomic fit. 
I can effectively treat the cancer and say and save the limb, keep the limb with good function. And in terms of what Rush is doing versus what other institutions are doing, I think you had mentioned to me in a previous conversation that Rush is pretty unique in in that it's the only institution in Chicago doing this kind of 3D printed implant care. Can you expand on the uniqueness in which kind of Rush is uh, kind of ahead of a lot of other institutions in the both in the city and maybe in the country? Well, since I am a consultant to Oncos, their medical director, obviously uh, made aware of their uh, technological development earlier. That's why I've had access to this technology sooner. But at the end of the day, it'll be available to any cancer surgeon in America. The 3D printed technology, the cutting guides and the modeling are just finishing their final uh, phase of FDA approval. So I would guess within the next eight to 12 weeks, it'll be readily available. Any patient who has a bone cancer where you're trying to do limb salvage preserve as much tissue as possible, normal tissue, um, those are all good candidates for this technology. What about 3D printed metal devices? 3D printed cancer devices offer some special opportunities. Uh, those opportunities are you can print into the surface of the device porosity or pores that you can reattach to the metal device, uh, the soft tissues, ligaments, uh, tendons, muscle, etc., and that will improve the function of the limb uh, because if you can attach, as an example, the quadriceps musculature with the patellar ligament back to a 3D printed tibial uh, device, and you can get the ligament to uh, um, adhere to or even ingrow into the 3D printed device, they have better quad function. In the past, we didn't have that opportunity. Rush is a leader in uh, in-growth, both bone and soft tissue in the country, uh, led by our former chairman, George Galante, who established many of the principles of bone in-growth. So those uh, principles were developed in our laboratory here at Rush, and uh, Ancos and others uh, used those principles in developing this technology. You need to know, you know what it takes to have effective in-growth into these devices, uh, you need to know the physics, uh, the biology, the mechanics. And a lot of that was really established in our laboratory here at Rush uh, by Dr. George Galante. Can you give us a timeline on evaluating the efficacy of these devices? Clinical efficacy is really not determined for at least a couple of years post-op. Uh, the laboratory efficacy is, is pretty well established uh, in modeling. Uh, of one type or another. So that information is available, but we're all anxious to see uh, the clinical outcomes and, and prove that uh, these patients function better. That is a hope and actually it's an expectation on, on my behalf. We have just started putting in 3D printed devices of one type or another and, and to follow the ingrowth into those printed devices will take, a, take some time. But preliminary results so far look look really promising for patients who've had these implants. Yes, so far, so good. The numbers are growing. Again, right now, I'm not the only surgeon in America putting in 3D printed devices. They're being put in across America, and the numbers are growing uh, rapidly. 
So we'll have a good cohort of uh, 3D printed devices and patients to follow one, two year minimum and do functional evaluations and imaging evaluations to confirm what we hope to show, which is better outcomes. How does the use of these 3D printed devices change your rationale when operating on a patient? The amputation is rare now. About 5% of my practice with bone cancer need an amputation, 95% limb salvage. With old technology, and there were metallic devices, still are, non-3D printed, again, can be used, uh, and that's a form of limb preservation. The rationale is to improve function. And I may add, the rationale is to improve long-term durability because these devices with a poor surface allows for bone to grow into them. And uh, there's good evidence by engineers around the country that that will improve the fixation of the device to the skeletal bone and therefore it'll improve long-term durability, another challenge in this type of surgery. Is there a specific case that comes to mind that shows just how impactful 3D printed technology can be? Very high-level competitive baseball player in college who came in with a cancer of his femur in the mid-shaft of his femur, and um, I used 3D printed technology to, to come up with a a cutting guide, a model, uh, as well as a, an allograft uh, was delivered, and I was able to precisely cut the allograft, that's a bone transplant, and, and restore the mid-portion of his thigh bone. We also added to that a vascularized fibula graft, and his early results are unbelievable. He's healed uh, the bone transplant. Again, I, I truly believe the 3D printed uh, technology, the cutting guide, aided in that because we're getting better anatomic matches due to the 3D printed uh, cutting guide. But he's back pitching for his college right now. He's out about two years. That's amazing. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about cold plasma, which is a promising new treatment in orthopedic oncology. But before we talk about its benefits, can you talk about some of the current challenges in orthopedic cancer surgery to where cold plasma can actually potentially make a difference in those areas? One of the risks in doing limb salvage surgery, and again, cold plasma is largely indicated for soft tissue sarcoma. Mind you, it's different than what we just discussed, bone sarcoma. So you have a large mass in the thigh. Typically, those masses are right up against the neurovascular bundle. And so when I remove them, uh, I cannot get a great margin uh, in that location. Margin means a cuff of normal tissue around the cancer to lower the risk of local recurrence. Um, it's limited by if, if you want to preserve the artery, vein, and nerve for function. So... One way to address that is use radiation with, with its inherent side effects, but it's, it's pretty effective to improve the margins. But what pl cold plasma can do for me is in the operating room, right at that margin that's close, I can treat that margin with this technology, and it, it's been well demonstrated that it will kill cancer cells, that uh, microscopic cancer cells at, at a margin like that. That's, that's the advantage of hybrid cold plasma in the operating room. 
So you just completed a, a phase one clinical trial evaluating cold plasma. We talked about the benefits, but can you talk also about maybe some of the data that came out of that clinical trial and kind of what you see the progression of cold plasma being, you know, after this, this phase one goes into phase two. Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. So uh, this was an FDA uh, phase one uh, clinical trial, which is largely a safety study. We entered uh, these cancer patients into the trial and happily uh, the, uh, the risks, the complications were negligible uh, with the use of hybrid cold plasma. It's being further evaluated, the data by the FDA, but I'm confident they will conclude that it's a safe technology. At the same time, we took some of those cancers that I operated on and uh, on the back table and in the laboratory, we treated them with this hybrid cold plasma and showed um, amazing uh, effect on those cancer cells. Amazing meaning it would destroy those cancer cells preferentially. But at the same time, we also treated normal tissue, uh, muscle, and it had no or, or almost no effect on, on, on normal tissue. Its effect in killing was limited to the cancer. That's exactly what you want. You want a tool to be safe. Well, it's proven to be safe largely in our study and, and effective in killing the cancer cells, which it appears to be true in the laboratory and not killing normal cells, which has also been shown in, in the laboratory. The phase two clinical trial uh, will be an efficacy study. So you'll take a cohort of cancer patients, use the tool, and then you'll look at outcomes, cancer outcomes, uh, clinical outcomes to, to prove that you're achieving what we hope to achieve, which is a, a lower local recurrence rate. And again, no, no local tissue damage. How did you become involved as the PI for this trial? I have been using hybrid cold plasma as a cutting coagulation tool in my soft tissue sarcoma surgery, as opposed to electrocautery, which can control bleeding and cut with, but it's a very high temperature and, and causes tissue damage. So I was introduced to the use of hybrid cold plasma at Rush. They brought it to me and I started using it. And it's a very effective uh, tool as a cutting and a coagulation tool in cancer surgery, which tends to be very extensile, very bloody. And this tool, it was quite effective in controlling blood loss and operative time. Then uh, at the same time, I was introduced to its cancer effectiveness by their scientists, uh, Jerome Kennedy, who really is the inventor of this type of hybrid cold plasma. And he's been working on it as a cancer tool. He's a liver transplant surgeon, but largely in, in abdominal cancer and has been using it under compassionate use with some nice outcomes, keeping patients alive where uh, their prognosis was terrible. So then I started thinking, well, why not use it in sarcoma surgery? And that's what led to my idea. We should uh, do, a, do a study, an FDA design study, phase one, two, and three, and we're now up to phase two. So it really stemmed from my use of it as a cutting coagulation tool uh, to now using it as a cancer tool. 
So I want to conclude our conversation today talking about the research that Rush produces. And on average, Rush produces 20 to 25 clinical papers every year. Can you perhaps cite two to three of those papers on how Rush is advancing research and or is helping to develop new therapies in orthopedic oncology? Well, the 20 papers uh, you're referring to is right, just my section. There's three surgeons in orthopedic oncology at Rush, and those 20 papers came out of our program. They're retrospective clinical studies, most of them. And the reason that we can do um, a large number of papers is we see so many sarcomas at Rush. It's unique to Rush, perhaps other institutions as well. But it's a, it's a unique feature of our program. We see uh, several hundred sarcomas a year. And after you, uh, and I've been doing this 40 years, you can imagine how many uh, patients are available for a clinical study. So we've identified numerous uh, subjects to look at to come up with some important answers for other oncologists and, and surgical oncologists and have published those. Let's mention a few. For instance, a study I found interesting was lymphoma of bone. Uh, we looked at our large series, nearly 100 patients. Some of the patients were treated with just drug therapy called RCHOP, and others were treated with RCHOP plus radiation. And we found that the outcomes were just as good with just the drugs and not the radiation, because radiation had some serious side effects on the bone. It killed the bone, caused fracture, etc. So when I think when we published that data, other surgeons realized that RCHOP, the drugs alone for lymphoma bone, is good enough. And we're all trying to avoid radiation where possible in lymphoma of bone. That's one, one study. Another study is we looked at our osteosarcomas and we looked at pulmonary nodules. When a patient comes in, we stage them uh, largely chest. That's where the metastases are likely to go. And we found that even if you discover small nodules in the chest in an osteosarcoma patient uh, under five millimeters, that with chemotherapy, they behave just as if they weren't even present. The outcomes were equal if the nodules were less than five millimeters to patients that had no nodules at all. And that's a really important finding uh, because in the old days when we saw any nodules, we would be very pessimistic. But now we realize that with good, effective chemotherapy, you can eradicate those little tiny nodules effectively and patients do very well. Those are just two of many that we've recently published. Well, thank you, Dr. Gutelis. And it's really amazing to learn about all the exciting new developments going on at Rush and to help these patients out with these invasive cancers. So thank you so much for talking through what's going on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for your time.